redeemed. A chosen child of the king. A chosen child of the king. Mighty like a warrior. Mighty like a warrior. Brave as can be. Brave as can be. Everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. I know my God is with me. I know my God is with me. I am Jack. I am Jack. No. 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 I am Jack and I am a prayer warrior. So I'm starting from the beginning. I am Jason. I'm just white. That's right. Isaac, what's your name? I'm Isaac. Isaac. All right. Maddie, you want to say your name? My name is Maddie, and I'm, I'm going to be my builder, a, um, a rock star for Christian. Amen. What do I have to say? I'm Gianna. I wheels. Anybody else? I am Lily and I'm a performer. I am Jaden and I'm a worshiper. I am Cameron and I'm a football player. <laughs> My name is Zach and I'm an artist. Ella and I am a singer. Anybody else? Fiona? I am Fiona and I'm an artist. <coughs> Amaya, do you want to say your name? Okay, Jack, finish the rest. Jack. Okay. okay. And I know. And I know. His word is true. His word is true. So I will shout it loud. So I will shout it loud. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son. I gave his one and only son. As a gift. As a gift. So whoever believes in him. So whoever believes in him. Will not perish. Will not perish. But have life everlasting. Have life everlasting. John 3.16. John 3.16. Amen. Amen, church? <laughs> All, right. All right. If there's any other kiddos that are going to kids' church, you're welcome to come on up, and we're going to pray for you before we dismiss you. All right? Come on. We want to see you. Charlie, Lola, anybody else coming? If you're going to kids' church, you can come on up, and we're going to say a prayer. Church, why don't you stretch your hands out, and let's pray for our little ones. <clears throat> Lord, we love you. We're so thankful that our house, that your house is filled with little ones, Lord. We thank you that you knew these kids before they were born. You fashioned them and you created them just right. We thank you, Father, that you died for them and your Holy Spirit is for them. So right now, Father, we ask you to move on their hearts, move on their minds, protect them, Lord, from the from the things of the enemy and the things of the world. Keep them, Father, in your word. Keep them in your presence. Holy Spirit, protect them. Speak life over them. Use them, Father. We thank you that there's no um, waiting till we're grown up to be used by you to be um, 
to be fed by you, to meet you, Father. So I pray, Lord, that you meet these kids today and continue to meet them, Father. We thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you that they know who they are, and I, I thank you for their future, Father. Um, we ask that you go before them and stay behind them in the mighty, precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So you can go. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. It's time for the word. Can I get an amen right there? Well, take your Bible, please, and turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. And we're going to be reading the first uh, eight verses as we talk about Resurrection Day. I've entitled the message today, Victorious Christ. So Matthew 28, starting at verse number 1. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here For he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for the greatest news that you're no longer in the grave. And Lord, we pray your blessing over this sermon. Let it touch our hearts in a powerful way. Bless every word that's said, everything that's said and done from this point on. Bless it for your glory. And Lord, as we preach your word, as we proclaim the resurrected Christ, we ask you, Lord, be glorified, be magnified as your people reflect on who you are and who we are in you. So Holy Spirit, come open our heart to receive what we need from you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, it's Resurrection Day. It's a big day. All across the world, people are celebrating and remembering that Jesus is no longer in the grave. Every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, mentions the story. Each one has a little unique part to it that they add to it. But uh, through the gospels, through the book of Acts, through all the letters that Paul wrote, the epistles... Jesus is always presented as alive and resurrected. It's the biblical narrative. It's our, it's our, uh, it's our established component of our faith that Jesus, our Lord, is alive. No other religion can say that about their Messiah or their great teacher. But our Lord is alive. I want to read from Matthew and Mark and Luke just a little bit to get a little bit of a bigger picture. Matthew, we just read in verse number six, he is not here for he is risen as he said, come and see where he lay. Mark 16, six says, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Go see the place where they had laid him. Luke 24, six through eight says this, he is not here 
but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And then they remembered. Well, the record shows that when Jesus was crucified on Friday, John and Mary were there, Mary his mother. His body was taken down and buried in a tomb that was owned by a rich man. His name was Joseph of Arimathea. This was to fulfill a prophecy that Jesus, the Messiah, would die with the wicked, but would would be buried with the rich. Then a believing Pharisee, his name is Nicodemus, he was there helping Joseph take the body down, put the oils on, on the body, wrapping Jesus in the burial cloth, And so Jesus was laid to rest and the tomb was sealed with either rope or cord or something stuck around to make sure no one could get in and no animals could get in to desecrate the body that was in there. If we looked at the four Gospels and made a composite sketch of what happened that day, it would sound something like this. There was another earthquake on that Sunday. You know, there was one earthquake when Jesus died on the cross. And interestingly, when that happened on Friday, the scripture says some very odd things about this. But when Jesus died on the cross, some coffins actually opened up in Jerusalem at that time, on Friday. On Sunday, another earthquake happened, and those corpses came out of the tomb. They were arisen as well, and they were walking around Jerusalem. Very early that day, The scripture says before dawn, it was still dark outside. Some of the ladies came to pay their respects and to anoint the body with oil again. There was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Joanna, and some other ladies. And when they arrived, they saw that the stone was rolled away. And they looked inside and they saw that the tomb was empty. And they really thought somebody must have stolen the body. Mary Magdalene runs quickly to tell John and Peter what they saw. The other women were lingering at the tomb and they encountered the angel who said, he's not here, he is risen. Go and tell the disciples. And although they were filled with fear and awe and joy, they hesitated for a little bit, but finally they did go and tell the disciples. The Roman guards, as we just read, when they experienced the angel, they fell down in fear or in awe that God's presence was there. In the meantime, Peter and John took off and started to run towards the tomb after Mary Magdalene told him. And I don't know if this is just in my mind because I saw it in a movie, but this is what I picture in my mind. Peter's the heavy, gruff guy, and John's the more athletic, younger guy, and they both take off running, and John gets there first, And here comes Peter behind, huffing and puffing. But Peter gets there, and, you know, Peter's a little impulsive. He goes right into the tomb, and he sees that the body's not there. And then John comes in, and they see the grave clothes and the face cloth wrapped up and put on the little slab. And it says that John believed. But they were kind of wondering what was really going on at that point. So the other ladies reached the apostles, and they told them what they had saw, what they had seen and what they had heard. Those apostles, believe it or not, they did not believe the story that Jesus was alive and Jesus was resurrected. Well, Mary Magdalene now comes back to the tomb and she's weeping and she's thinking, oh, what did they do with the body of my Lord? 
And just then, two angels appear to her and say to her, why are you weeping? And and she said, "I, I don't know where my Lord is. And just then, another figure comes on the scene, and out of the corner of her eye, she sees the figure, and she's thinking he's the gardener, he's, he's, he's the caretaker. And all of a sudden, that person says, Mary. And she recognized his voice. It was Jesus. And Jesus, Mary turned to him, and, and she said, Rabbi. And Jesus said to her, Mary, go and tell the others, I'll see them later, I'm alive. And so the story continues. That night, some disciples were on their way to Emmaus. And, and on the way to that, that place, Jesus appeared to them and showed himself as risen. And for 40 days, for the next 40 days, Jesus appeared to many people during that time. He taught them. He ate with them. He appeared to the 11. He appeared to different groupings of three or four apostles at a time. He appeared to Peter individually. He appeared to Thomas. Uh, He ate breakfast with them. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that at one time, Jesus appeared to 500 people. And he also appeared to his half-brother, James. On the 40th day after the resurrection... Jesus ascended into glory to be with his father again with the promise, I'm coming back again. Fifty days after that, he released the Holy Spirit. And we read in Acts chapter 2 that at that point, the church was birthed with power and anointing. And so here we are today, so many years later, telling the story and awaiting his return. He said to go into all the world and preach this gospel. Teach them. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do it until I come back. And here we are doing what Jesus said to do. I've entitled the message today, Victorious Christ. Everyone say that with me. Come on. Victorious Christ. Come on, say it again. Victorious Christ. I want to begin by saying this. That the resurrection of Jesus is his victory. And his victory is our victory. You know what the word says in another place? It says, if Christ is not risen from the dead, we are the most pitiable people of all. But now Christ is risen from the grave. So we are blessed and we serve a risen, glorious Savior. No other world religion could say that. There's no tomb that says, here lies Jesus of Nazareth. The tomb is empty. And he is very much alive. I want to talk about three different aspects of the victorious Christ. And I want to thank the Lord for each one of these. Let me, let me start by saying number one. I want to thank the Lord today for his victory over the spiritual realm. You know, there is a spiritual realm out here. Before the fall of man, there was the fall of angels. Did you know that? Scripture tells us, Lucifer, the angel of light, who became Satan, he was a glorious angel, probably in charge of the music and praise to the Lord. But Lucifer had this wild idea. It says he wanted to be equal to God. And he had pride. He had arrogance. He had a rebellious nature. And because of that, the Lord cast him out of heaven. And he came to earth with a third of the other angels with him. And ever since that time, there's been a struggle. 
And I don't have to tell you, but I'm going to tell you. There's a struggle between good and evil. There's a struggle between right and wrong. There's a struggle between light and dark. There's a struggle between freedom and bondage. In fact, every great classical book or movie or production always has a theme of good and bad, if you think about it. All that came from the Word of God. So there was the fall of angels before the fall of men. When Adam and Eve fell, when they disobeyed the Lord, they followed the temptation of Lucifer. And that rebellious nature, that fallen nature, was passed on to each living soul. But a promise was given. One will come. One day, one will come to right the wrong that was done. Someone had to pay for the sin. Scripture tells us very clear. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how good you are, how much money you have, whatever achievements you have in this life, wonderful, wonderful. But heart of hearts, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin, the scripture says, is death. Someone's got to pay for the sin. Someone's got to pay for my sin and for your sin. And and naturally, it would have been me and you. But Jesus came to give his life. That's why we celebrate Good Friday. It was great for us because our sin problem was taken care of. He nailed it to the cross. But I want to share one scripture in this topic that we thank the Lord for the victory over the spiritual realm. In Colossians 2.15, you could turn to it if you want, but I'm going to read it. Colossians 2.15, it says that, Jesus disarmed principalities and disarmed powers. Now, we know from Ephesians chapter 6 that we don't fight against flesh and blood, right? We don't fight against people. We fight against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age. We fight against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. But the scripture says Jesus disarmed all that. Wow, I love that part of it. He disarmed principalities and powers. And then it says that he made a public display of them. Public? Well, public in the spiritual realm, yeah. Satan was humiliated. Think of it. He thought he had Jesus. Nailed to the cross. Put into the grave. You could see demons just saying, ah, we got him now. But on that third day, when the earth quaked, Right? And, and things were shaken. And the dead were raising up in Jerusalem. Jesus rose from the dead. Satan shrunk back. But it says that Jesus made a public display and triumphed over them. He showed the spiritual world who has the power and who has the upper hand. I'm glad we can say we stand behind Jesus. He's the victor. He's the power. Colossians 1.13 says it like this. The Father has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Oh, He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Every knee will bow to Him one day. Every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. All creation will bow down to Him. And guess what? Remember Lucifer? One day Lucifer will bow down and be sentenced for his rebellion against the Lord. He's the king of kings. 
He's the Lord of Lords. He guaranteed our victory in the spiritual realm. He's defeated death and conquered darkness. Oh, praise God for his presence, for his power. He's the king of kings, of the natural and the spiritual. darkness we were waiting with our hope with our light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt
thank the Lord because of the victory over the spiritual realm. Amen. Secondly, we thank the Lord for his victory over sin. Can I get an amen right there? Victory. We all have it. Let's just stop wearing the halo right now. We all have it. It's it's sin. It's a problem. It's an issue. If you don't think you have it, ask your spouse or your loved one. They'll let you know that you have it. Let me read you some scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Did you get that? The wages of sin is death. Jesus knew no sin. He became sin, and he died on the cross instead of us. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. But he rose from the grave. He defeated death. Romans 6.23, I said it before, the wages of sin is death. I didn't tell you the last part of that verse, though. The wages of sin is death. But thank God it doesn't end right there. But the free gift from God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. All have sinned. The wages of sin is death. But... The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Romans 6, 5, If we have become united together in the likeness of his death, can I clarify that for you? What does that mean? If we become united together in the likeness of his death, that needs a little explanation. In other words, if we agree, if we believe in the biblical narrative that Jesus died for our sins, if we agree with that, we have faith in that. If we, if we are united together in thought and, 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 and the, the belief that Jesus came, and we're united in the likeness of his death. And in doing so, listen, we also die. We die to our old nature. We die to ourselves. If we're in the likeness of Christ in his death, in other words, if we identify with the one who died on the cross for my sin, it's got to affect us. But if we're, if we're uh, united with that concept, it says, certainly, I love when the Bible says things so definitely, if we're like that, then absolutely, without a doubt, we should also be united in the likeness of his resurrection. So it's not just dying to self. It's now dying to self, but living unto him as a new creation in Christ. That's why the whole phrase, you must be born again. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Old has gone by, all things have become new. And so we're thanking the Lord for the victory over sin today. One day, Jesus was teaching in the temple, on the temple grounds near the Mount of Olives. And he was interrupted by the scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders that were always trying to test him and catch him doing something wrong. And that one day he's teaching and they bring in a woman with them. 
And, and, and they interrupt the class and they say, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And they're making a big scene about this. And they say to Jesus, Moses says, like in other words, the law says that she should be stoned. What do you say about this? And the scripture says very clearly, they were trying to test him to see what he would do. You know what Jesus did? He bent down and started scribbling something in the, in the dirt, in the sand. And then he looks up and he says, well, let the one without any sin cast the first stone. They were ready to do it. They had stones in their hands. And the scripture says that one by one, from the eldest to the youngest, they put the stone down and they walked away. And Jesus then scribbled in the sand a little bit more. And and then it's just he and the woman left. And he says to her, where are all your accusers? And she says, they're all gone. There's none left. And Jesus says to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That interaction sets the stage for us. When we we receive Christ, when he paid for the penalty of our sin, he tells us, go live your life. Don't sin anymore. You don't have to. You're not bound by sin anymore. You've been set free by the blood of Jesus and by the resurrected Messiah. Go live your life. Live it abundantly. Do it for the glory of God. Scripture says, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Does that mean we won't sin? No. I, we've been talking about this a lot on Sundays as we went through First John. We will sin. Let's just say it. But sin won't have dominion. We don't have to. We're not limited. We're not, we're not crushed by it anymore. We've been released from the burden and the, and the, the, the weight of sin. Scripture says if Christ is not risen, our faith is futile, and we're still in our sins. But praise God, we can stand here today and say, Christ is risen, meaning our faith is alive. And we're not still in our sins. I want to thank the Lord for his blood. I want to thank the Lord for the cross. I want to thank the Lord for the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I want to thank the Lord that sin has lost its power. Amen. the cross. 
took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. And now death has no sting, and life has no end. For I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus, for the thanking the Lord because he has victory over the spiritual realm. He has victory over sin. Hallelujah. I want to give you one more thing to think about. I wonder if there's any baby boomers in the audience today. Don't raise your hands. We all know who we are. (laughs) But I mean, I can remember you probably can too. When we were in our 20s, the finish line was a million miles away. Didn't even think about it. We were invincible. But as the birthdays come, year after year, decade after decade, that finish line is looking a little closer these days. But I have something to tell you. Jesus has victory over death. Oh, hallelujah. Now, listen. That finish line is looking pretty good, actually. I can't wait to get to the other side. You hear what I'm saying? We have victory over death because Jesus arose from the dead. Hallelujah. I, uh, we, we have 
over the years have conducted many different funerals for many different people. Some people in faith and some people without faith. And I need to tell you, there's a world of difference between the two services. When a Christian graduates to glory, there is sadness, don't get me wrong. There's weeping. But underneath that, there's a sense of, he made it, she made it. She's home in glory now. Praise God. If we don't have that hope, uh, (laughs) if we don't have that hope, a funeral is a whole different story. I want to read some scripture to emphasize this point. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is a great chapter about the resurrection. There was some debate in Corinth. The debate was, when a Christian dies, what happens to them? Is that the end? And people really thought that was the end. I guess they didn't read John 3.16. They didn't know that yet. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. They didn't get that memo for some reason. Not sure when that was written. I had to do my little research. But the Corinthians, they were debating when a Christian dies, that's the end of the story. And Paul heard about that. And Paul said, wait a minute. He he goes on in 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 12. This is what he, he, I'm going to read it verbatim. If Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do you how do those among you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. You see, he's making a, a comparison. If Christ arose, we're all gonna rise. He says, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. Boy, that's every pastor's uh, wake up call right there. If Christ is not risen, what we say is empty. I don't want to preach an empty sermon. I want want what I say, what we say, to have meat to it. And it has meat to it because Jesus is alive. Right? Our our preaching is empty. Our faith is empty. If If we're found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact... We don't rise. You can't separate the two. If the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. Very strong statements. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, have perished. End of story. If in this life we only have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Can you... Realize the eternal significance of our faith. And then he says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He goes on to say this in verses 51 and 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall not all die. But we shall also, uh, but we all shall be changed In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will be raised up, and we who remain will be changed to be with the Lord forever. We call that the rapture of the church. You ever hear the phrase, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again? It's very true. 
It's very true. And when he comes again at the rapture of the church, those who are dead in Christ, their body will rise up and meet their spirit in the air. And those who are remaining, and this is what we're praying for, let's just skip over death altogether. Let's just be raptured. Amen? Let's just go for it. But that's the Lord's call. But we who remain will be caught up with the Lord forever and ever. He he goes on to say, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? And he concludes by saying, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have victory over death. When I die, I want there to be a, well, there could be a little sadness, but I want there to be celebration. He crossed the finish line. He's entered into the glory of God. And like we always say at a funeral, when a brother or sister goes on to be with the Lord, we always say this one comment. If they had a choice to come back, we think they would say, I'm going to wait over here for you to come over on this side. So we can celebrate that we have victory over death because Jesus has victory over death. Amen.
gates of hell won't stand Your church will rise from glory to glory In the name of Jesus No weapon formed against us will prosper And the gates of hell won't stand And your church will rise from glory to glory In the name of Jesus Death marines your sting God is good. Those are our granddaughters, by the way, Ava and Ella. Thank you so much, girls. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we serve the victorious Christ. He has defeated Lucifer and demons. He's defeated sin and the sinful nature. He's defeated and triumphed over death, and he is alive today. Scripture tells us that the thief has come to kill, rob, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give you abundant life. And you know what? We who believe, we who have accepted him as he is, through his victory, guess what? We have victory. We have victory. There may be some of you here today that are plagued by spiritual forces. I don't mean to be intruding where I shouldn't go, but let me just say this. I mean, I I live in this world too. I know there's spiritual forces. I know some of us can't sleep at night. We're plagued. We have thoughts. We have memories. We have things that are not from God. And we need deliverance from those things. There are some, maybe here, maybe some online today, that are bound up in some type of sinful behavior. You don't even want to do it anymore, and you can't help it. You're bound There may be some that are afraid of dying and maybe there's some sickness and people are living in fear. But I want to tell you, when we identify with the victorious Christ, we have victory over the spiritual realm. Listen, a spiritual attack is not the, the last word in our lives. If we're engaged in some type of sinful behavior, that sin is not the last word in our lives. As we're facing death one day, That death scenario is not the last word over our lives. Romans 8.37 says this, We are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. Can we all stand together? I want every head bowed for just a moment. We've been preaching. We've been singing. We had the special banners 
We had a wonderful time of worship. God is in this place. But here's what's going every head bowed. What's going to happen is we're going to say this prayer. We're going to share a little bit. Say the final amen. Everyone's going to go your way. Maybe have a dinner somewhere. Be with family and friends or whatever. Maybe watch uh, basketball or whatever's on TV. And, and this morning may be kind of forgotten from you. But before you leave here today, God wants to do some business with you. He wants to do some business with you. Oh, I can remember many times going to church in the early days. And the pastor would say, does anyone want to receive? I would feel my heart beating. I would feel, I would feel a little sweat on my head. He's talking about me. And you know what? He was. He didn't know he was, but he was. And so as we close out this service, I, I just want to raise this question. No one looking around. Those of you at home, you can respond if you want under the comments. But is there anybody here that's, you know you're plagued by evil spirits. I, I hate to be so bold, but I know what that's like. Anyone plagued by spiritual forces they're not of god they're not even of people it's something else is going on where you feel fear or you feel anxiety you feel something otherworldly and when you watch these movies that depict that dark side of life something in you resonates that you know what they're talking about i'm here to tell you jesus has come to break that off of you Is there anyone like that? Just raise your hand if that's you. Spiritual freedom. I want spirit. Thank you. I want spiritual freedom today. Come on. I want spiritual freedom. All right. Thank you. Come on. Hey, Jesus didn't go to the cross for nothing, church. He came to release us. We're plagued. The world is plagued by spiritual forces. Secondly... You may be doing something, thinking something, whatever. You know you shouldn't. I mean, no one may even know what you're doing. But you know, and you don't even want to do it anymore. But there's a compulsion. There may be an addiction. There may be some pull that's getting you involved in some sinfulness that you know is not right. And you don't know what to do about it. I'm here to tell you. That Jesus came to defeat the sin in our lives. He became sin for us. And sin will no longer have dominion over us. But we've got to be honest and lay it down to the Lord. Is there anyone here today that has something going on? You want to give it to God? My hand is up. I want to give my whole life to God. Every part of it. Lord, forgive me. Forgive us when we don't give all of us to you. You didn't want 99%. You didn't want 90%. You wanted 100%. You gave 100%. You want 100% back. So, Lord, we, we, we accept that. We, we see that. We give you our sin today. And I wonder if there's any... Maybe there's been a death in your family. Maybe there's someone sick in your family, and you're thinking about it. You're thinking about the finish line. 
I had a friend just found out this week, a friend in his 60s passed away, died of cancer. It's a familiar story, unfortunately. Not to mention my sister and my brother at 19 years of age, killed in a car accident. We don't even know when the finish line is coming. But if we're thinking about living our life to the fullest, we have to be thinking about what's going to happen after the finish line. The scripture says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What I'm finally getting to, is there anybody here today that simply wants to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord your Savior, and the master of your life. You may have heard about him your whole life. You may be a churchgoer. You may know the stories in the Bible, but you've never really surrendered your will to his will. So we said it earlier, but if we are in the likeness of his death, if we agree with that, then certainly we will be living in the likeness of his resurrection. Yes, It's a point of reference for us. Have we surrendered Have we died to self that we could live with the Lord? So I'm asking you the question. Is there anyone here that needs to receive Jesus today? Or maybe recommit your life to the Lord today? Raise your hand nice and high so I can see and the Lord will know you're sincere about surrendering to him. Anyone, come on. I need Jesus today. Thank you, man. Thank you over there. Thank you over there. I need Jesus today. I need Jesus today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know that there peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus let's worship him
anxiety, depression. Let's sing this again. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Fear in the name of Jesus. Over fear and all anxiety. Depression gone in the name of Jesus. Jesus, shout Jesus from out in a prayer right now. We're going to close out with a prayer of invitation. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Some of you have done this. Some of you need to do this. And then I'm going to pray over you. Then we're going to say amen and we can go our way. Repeat after me. Dear God, dear God, I love you and I need you and I want you in my life. I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've fallen short. 
But today, I see my sin was nailed to the cross in Jesus. Today, I see I'm no longer bound by my life. I can have new life with the resurrected Christ. I believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross, that he rose again from the grave, that he ascended into heaven with a promise to come back. Right now, I confess my sin to you, Lord, and I invite this Jesus into my life, into my heart, to be my Savior. Lord and Master, and I thank you for it. I'm going to pray for everyone now. Father God, Lord, you know the ones that said that prayer and meant it. You know the ones that needed to and did. You know the sincerity of our hearts. We're going to leave it with you, Lord. But Lord, in this benediction, I just want to pray blessings over everyone here, young and old alike, the children downstairs our teachers, everyone involved. Bless each of us, Lord. Let us leave here now inspired that your death and resurrection is definitely not just something for the history books. It's for today. And so we receive it. Help us to walk in that newness of life with you. I pray blessings over every family. Let us have a good day, a good evening. Let us have a great week ahead. But let us have a new awareness of what Resurrection Sunday is really all about. We give you thanks, we give you praise, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. If you need prayer, come see me at the altar. If you said that prayer, I'd love to see you before you go. I think there's some refreshments outside. So have a great day. Jesus is alive. Carry the resurrected Christ in your heart as you go. God bless you. Hey.